to the other side of Blackpool podcast. And if you live here in Blackpool, this show's for you. From high up in our attic room studio on Church Street, we share the true stories of what life is really like in Blackpool. Stories that are often overlooked, hidden, or under-celebrated. Welcome. Today we're talking about Blackpool's secret statistics, the big numbers behind Blackpool, what they mean and how to make the bad numbers better. And my guest from up the road in Manchester is Sarah Longlands, who heads up the Centre for Local Economic Strategies, CLES, CLES. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Gillian. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. We had to get you on because we've just had the Prime Minister in town. Uh, he was walking around taking lots, of, having lots of pictures taken in trams for some reason. Um, and we know that your organisation, Claire's, looks into the, the sorts of things the Prime Minister was on about during his visit to Blackpool. That's about regeneration and, and you know, economic sunny uplands to come. Did you catch some of the Prime Minister's visit in Blackpool? And what did you think from your perspective? Yeah, I, d- I, did, um, I did catch a little bit of it. Um, and I guess... I guess part of me knows why he's in Blackpool because his government has got an agenda around levelling up and, and how what they describe as left behind places. And so politically, he wants to show that that he's taking it seriously. I suppose there's a, a question for me about just how seriously that they want to take it and, and how they move from you know it's it's lovely to come and visit places and to and to put a lot of rhetoric out there, but what will actually change as a result and and what will the government be committing to uh, in terms of their levelling up agenda to places like Blackpool, um, which have been made many, many promises um, over over the years. What will this government do that, that will really make the difference um, in Blackpool um, and, and succeed where you know previous initiatives perhaps haven't? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent question because what we have, as you know, in this town after 100 years as Europe's premier health resort, we've, we've now got Blackpool top of the pile in income, employment and health deprivation. Of, of the 10 most deprived wards in England, eight of them are here in, in Blackpool in, in the town here. The problems are really big. I mean, anyone will, will admit that. And mm. uh, it's a big ambition, isn't it? it? Will cash investment do it, it alone? Um, no is the short answer, um, but it would certainly help. The challenge for Blackpool that the the sort of um, size of the of the challenge is is, is articulated or, or even appreciated by government. You know the fact that if you look at the ONS ranking, you know Blackpool is you know ranked as the most deprived local authority in the whole of England based on on figures from from 2019, and and that was very much unchanged since the last measurement in in 2015. Cash is certainly part of it, but you've got to remember as well that that since 2011, um, since the onset of uh, austerity, local authorities like Blackpool have have probably have lost you know upwards of 300 pounds per person living in their area. Um, because of budget cuts imposed from from Westminster. So, you know, talk of cash now is good, but there's a need to also reverse some of that austerity, which has, you know, invariably made things much more difficult uh, and made local authorities much less able to respond to the challenges that uh, a place like, like Blackpool faces. So I think you know, restoring some sort of stability to the to the funding that local councils and their partners receive. Um, is certainly an important step. 
in the right direction. Um, so cash is important in that context. And and cash for special projects like levelling up is, is also useful too, if it is mobilised in the right way. Um, and I think often what we see and what we have seen in, in the levelling up white paper is an emphasis on, well, if we can just grow the pie big enough in a place like Blackpool, then invariably that money will, will trickle down and that everyone will get a, a chance to have a slice of that pie. But we know from our research at Claire's you need to do something much, much more. You need to actually connect people to the benefits that your economy generates. Um, and that needs a, a lot more attention to the levers at your disposal, uh, the way in which you can use public expenditure to, to deal with levels with, with issues around unemployment, uh, with how you use um, ownership in your economy to sort of challenge um, and, and, and empower people, um, and also how you use um, recruitment um, and finance more generally to really start to to rewire the economy in a way which benefits people and, and tackles some of the issues that, that, that you face. And, and just briefly, the other thing you need, as part from cash, cash is all very well and good, but if, you, if you're faced with the challenges that you've got in Blackpool, um, and there's lots of different places that, that have you know, got challenges um, which are, are also serious, not, not quite the same, but, but, but comparable, what you also need to do is change the way you do things. And I know that's something that partners in, in Blackpool have been trying to do for a while. You, know, you need to try and you know, change the way that, that the authorities that have responsibility for these challenges operate uh, in a way which encourages um, people to work together um, towards a common aim of, of making lives better for, for people in, in Blackpool. And that might be about, you know, collapsing some of the, the kind of barriers or, or, or silos between, you know, between organisations so that instead of focusing on what their organisation is or what it does, it's focusing more on the goal that we're all working towards, kind of collective sense of, of responsibility. So I think you also need that that systemic change uh, as well. And and, at Claire's, that's something we spend a lot of time looking at through our work with what we would call anchor institutions. Those institutions in Blackpool who are not going anywhere, who are rooted and committed to that place. And how can they use their economic role to really make things better for for the people who live there? Well, and that sounds like shooting for the moon. I mean, if if that can be done uh, and we could reverse the lack of investment, which some of our contributors in this podcast have said goes back to the 1950s, then that would be amazing. We've got a a lot to catch up on. So it might be a good idea if we could just take a little clip of a previous episode we'd recorded with our residents. The the episode's called Why I Moved to Blackpool and it really touches on people who, I mean, we had five contributors here who'd all arrived in the last year. Some had arrived in uh, from London in the pandemic because they were in theatre and they'd lost their work and they couldn't pay £3,000 a month in uh, rent anymore. Some had come from yeah. Manchester with terrible asthma and they found that when they were by the sea it completely disappeared. Some had knew the town from previous experiences of childhood which weren't always good experiences but they still were drawn back in some way. And this little clip we're going to listen to, it starts uh, when, I, when I ask about the fact that the illuminations were made year round this time and the, the season was completely extended in order to to some extent, ameliorate the effects of the pandemic, you know, to boost tourism over Christmas and a new year, which is normally a dead time here in the town. So let's just have a listen to what residents said. Do you feel there's a big gap between you and the and the tourist reality, or do you feel connected to it? Does, does that make sense? What do you think, Chris? 
No, I think it's brought the community closer together because it's been left open a lot longer. Because obviously with the pandemic, all the shops and everything was closed and they had to make the money somehow. Leon, you're already getting involved in the in the tourist industry yes. by trying to run a dance class on the beach. Yes. Um, Blackpool, for me, now, because I've had decades, I've always come back to Blackpool, so I've had decades. I, I like the way that there's always shows. There's always shows. There's always a theatre. I, I love theatre. And there's always, um, if you're a Blackpool resident, it's always half price at the Blackpool Pleasure Beach. And like we shared here, every, no, no, no town or city is perfect. And... Um, and we just take the rough with the smooth, don't we? And and things like that. So yeah. Thanks, Leon. I'll leave the last word to you, Matty. What what do you think listening to these these old timers? Do you do you feel <laughs> do you feel even more at home here than than you were when you first arrived? Um, so going back to your point about the tourism, I mean, I've got two points of. Two, two views on this. The first is that I understand that tourism is important, but um, like John and like um, Leon, I love going down to the beach. I love being able to walk along the sand, along the surf, barefoot. Um, I like being able to do that. But when the tourists were here, the state of the beaches after they had been on it was just disgusting. Disgusting! Absolutely, how they'd left it was unbelievable. So, part of my attitude there is, I think that's really, really bad. I know that Blackpool do do cleanups and things like that. I've understood that they do that, but tourism does have a negative effect on on that area. The other thing that I've had an issue with is the fact that the councillors that I've spoken to, I've been to all these meetings where they're talking about what they're doing in Blackpool, what, what's going to happen in Blackpool is they're going to do this for the tourists and this for the tourists and this for the tourists. But what they're forgetting is that there are residents here and the residential areas, particularly where I'm living, I'm not sure where everybody else, I know there are nice areas of Blackpool, but I've moved to a very cheap place in Blackpool and it, it's not a nice area. Mm. There is a lot of trouble that goes on down there. Um, I think because of the cheap cost of living, you know, it's, it's just invited all sorts of people in and, and you know, there's no filter of, as to who comes in. Um, and also, you know, the, the shops and streets that... It, it's like a, it's like something out of a post-apocalyptic movie from you know, a zomb- zombies are just about to attack somewhere. You just, just everything's shuttered up and boarded up, and it, it seems like they're, they're kind of so much focus on the town and the tourism that sometimes they're actually forgetting about people who live here. Sarah, I don't know how some of that sounded to you in the light of the work you've done, Claire's has done in, in Blackpool yourself in terms of the people who live here. Did any of that ring true for you? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's so tragic in a way, you know, it's so difficult. Uh, this is what people are having to, to live with. And we certainly in the work that we've done previously in Blackpool have uh, over many years have, have heard similar kind of comments and sense that same sense of frustration, the challenges that, that the, the town faces. And that, and that question too about, you know, people, you know, wanting to come to Blackpool. I mean, because they have, you know, experience like that person you mentioned about wanting to come here because they're, you know, a good. You know, they felt like it was a, a good place to be. And I mean, it's difficult. I mean, everyone's going to have a, a different story, aren't they? But um, you know, fundamentally, 
there's a there's a problem here in terms of of the kind of quality of neighbourhoods that people are expected to to, to live in and that, that that they are living in. And we know that in Blackpool, you know, one of the consequences of its kind of tourism heritage is you have a lot of cheap but fairly poor quality housing and a high supply of it in the in the private rented sector with you know lots of you know, Victorian villas kind of almost turned into to houses of multiple occupation and and many of them don't actually meet kind of basic standards and and probably you know I think in some of the research we've did we reckoned it was you know about 80-85% of those were for people in receipt of um, housing benefit and so when you're living that also then relates to the fact that we know that in terms of reported health in Blackpool there's a much higher propensity of people to report feeling in poor health and to be in poor health Um, and it really it's an example of how health is not just about what happens at the GP or the doctors or the hospital but it's about a very large percentage of why people get ill or why people don't feel well is because of the conditions in which they live Um, those kind of wider determinants of housing and and, and the state of the economy and and how they're the income that they're on and those are really the factors that drive poor health and and Blackpool's example of that. Yeah, what you've said is it's sourced in the figures that the government have and, and play with every day. So so we know that Blackpool is top of the league for income yeah. deprivation, health and disability deprivation, employment deprivation. But when it comes to housing, the figures that Whitehall are looking at show Blackpool to be in have a bountiful supply uh, and the condition of the housing yeah. is not is not part yeah. of the figures that they see. Isn't that something yeah. can anybody do anything about that or is that completely impossible? It's definitely not. I mean it's really frustrating and it's really wrong because, you know, housing supply you know, must take into account quality, um, and it doesn't at the moment. And so there is something that we can do about it. We can talk about it in events like this and spread the word and get that message out there. We can also speak to Whitehall themselves and say, well, why, why are you not, why are you not taking this seriously? Why are you not considering this? So luckily, we live in a country where you, there are channels into it now. Whether there's a change happens as a result of that is another question. But but certainly, there's stuff that that we can do about it. And I think that part of it is through projects like what you're doing here with the podcast, but but also organisations like ours at Claire's, you know, making sure we're getting the messages about this through to um, to the networks that we're on and getting other people to talk about it and then also speaking to government directly about it. So, yeah. you know, because it's just not good enough. Yeah, you know? good. I feel a letter coming on, a joint a joint, a joint signatory maybe. So, oh, <laughs> um, but it, it comes into land actually in, in, a, in a hotel on, the, on North Pier called the Metropole Hotel, which at the moment is housing refugees from all over the world. And we met a... Yeah beautiful young lady from Ethiopia who's escaped the, the civil war there and has been placed in the Metropole Hotel, which everyone agrees, um, the, the Labour Council and the two Conservative MPs, everyone agrees it's not fit for purpose, it's, a, it's not appropriate for families and so on. And yet national government made the decision to send people there. Now, yeah. um, we always have that sense that, you know, for all the troubles of the town, because of it figures so well in terms of housing, it receives more yeah. trouble. I, 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 absolutely. And this happens. I mean, black. I mean, this is the other tactic on this. You know, lots of other, I've spoken to other councils, particularly in the northeast, for, who, for whom the same thing happens. You know, they, they, you know, you look at the figures, oh, they've got loads of housing, let's just send loads of people there um, with no additional support or no appreciation for the quality of that housing or for the services in that area or the capacity of, of the local authority and services to cope. And, you know, maybe there's work that could be done to kind of build that sense of shared 
um, frustration at national government's failure to kind of appreciate that and to respond effectively by starting to recognise that housing quality is is really important. Now, there were, there were some positive noises in that direction in, in the Loving Up White Paper, and which I think is, is, is really welcome. But these people are living there now. Lots of people who need that support and need that, that housing. And so, you know, I guess there's an urgency to the issue, really. Does money do it? Should there be, could there be a more useful sense of organisations in the charitable, but also corporate, you know, public and private sphere get, getting together to fix this? I mean, if this is a if this is a problem for Blackpool in particular because of its tourist her- heritage, I imagine other ca- coastal towns will figure in the, have yeah. the same problems. But Blackpool particularly, it would be a question, you know, how how well geared up are towns and is this town to get people together around a problem? like this and that I think was the focus of a research study that you that you did here in Blackpool not so long ago. Yeah that's right we we looked at a project um, that, that was run in Blackpool to to think about how the council and, and other um, public partners across the town could work together in a kind of money, multidisciplinary way to really um, wrap their services around um, the, the individuals who are most vulnerable, and particularly in, in some of the communities where we've just been speaking about. So that was about looking at um, sort of three kind of main things, you know, one around the, the place um, and what, what could be done to, to make that a, a better place in terms of the housing quality and in terms of um, the, the regulate, regulation of, of, those, of those properties, um, particularly HMOs. A second theme was around um, people. So how do you actually improve training, confidence, um, employment to, to residents in, in, in those areas? And, and also... Like, you know, making sure people have access to information about debt and 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 finance, um, and and have got a sense that they've got somewhere to go if if they have a if they're if they're facing a, a challenge in, in their life. And also, I guess, just trying to you know get a sense of how people felt about their neighbourhood and what was good, but also kind of what what was challenging. And then the third um, part of this work was also about governance. You know, how do you encourage you know multi-agency of working how do you encourage kind of partners to really start to think beyond their organizations and beyond perhaps their organizational kind of ways of working toward to focus more on what are the outcomes that we want to see in this place and how if we work together um, how can we work towards those outcomes as a kind of shared collective goal? Which is always one of the things which sounds really straightforward and sensible in practice, but in reality is is really difficult um, or can be really difficult and, and perhaps we make it really difficult as well yeah um, but yeah uh, it was um so yeah it was that that was that was the work that, that we've done previously and i mean there is i think it's fair to say there's been a, a long history of of you know trying to see how agencies could work differently and in uh, an area like Blackpool. And, and it's something, an approach that we have looked at at CLES, um through our work on anchor institutions and community wealth building um, in, in many different areas. And it does take time and it does take trust and, and relationship building, but it can really, you know, um, produce good results. Yeah. Now, we, um, I mean, it's interesting to hear about the work that you've done. I think that that study that you talked about relates to only uh, 2018. So, so, potentially that's something yeah. that could be underway in the council we shall we shall pick that up with them in a, in a future episode coming back to this the stats before we finish i just wanted to check in with you about whether you whether this 
these numbers sounded right to you. So I told you about the desk research that we did when we first started this Poverty Truth Project here in Blackpool. And we found out that there were a third, this figure of a third of residents kept coming up. So we found a third of residents were in seasonal work, so in tourism or hospitality. A third of residents were on lower average pay relating to that work and so their pay didn't last through the whole year so they were on benefits to top up for the rest of the year and and probably because of that a third of them are not owner occupiers they're renting and as we looked at it we just thought this is the same third these look like the same people because mm-hmm. they all add up and when you when you run that across the number of people in the town 140,000 that we are looking at the best part of 50,000 people who are in that kind of precarious situation and you know now facing energy bills and all the rest of it but actually people who talk about Blackpool with great positivity you know it's an easy place to assimilate people there isn't an us and them like there is in really posh places you know newcomers aren't quickly identified and ostracized you know it's a warm welcoming working class town always has been and and that vibe still continues so it feels like there's some big numbers there but then there's a lot maybe a lot to play for, a lot of hope, a lot of good good stuff there as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the the challenges of this, you know, of the whole debate. You know, the whole debate is played out nationally about kind of left behind places and, you know, and even phrases like, you know, this is a deprived area or, you know, this is a community where there's, you know, a problem here or there. And I think I think there's a real challenge in all of us who, who work in this in this field or who are interested in, in trying to do something about this to also think about how we how those how the language excludes people or how it how it, how it in some ways shames people in place. We've got to make sure that we are also kind of connecting with with the people who 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 live in in a place like Blackpool, you know, no matter who they are, where they come from, or what their history is, and that we are appreciating that that they are part of have the community there, and that um, they are part of also the the town's assets, and so they're they're part of what makes that place Blackpool. And uh, it may not be something that we've planned, or it may not be something that is easy to understand, but we that is the reality that we're working with. So how can we build on, on what we have got to, to really kind of carve out a, a different and a new future for, for everyone. And I think at, at um, the heart of that, there's a question for me about agency, about you know what agency do people feel um, on an individual level um, in, in Blackpool? And, and then how collectively can we you know use that sort of shared sense of place and, and of, of wanting to find a, a better way forward to kind of to move forward? Um, I mean, it's easy to say that, isn't it? But I think there is something about just appreciating the fact that there, there can be a blame agenda in all of this, and we have to really be on our guard for it because um, there are lots of reasons why people find themselves in poverty. And sometimes there's an attitude in this country that it's their fault, and it absolutely isn't because there are, you know, huge. This country, you know, is so unequal in so many ways. We're one of the most unequal in Western Europe, and the reasons why people become poor or you know can't afford to pay their bills or or find themselves wanting to escape their lives um, has got everything to do with the you know the really harsh and um, broken economic system that we've got 
in this country. And um, I think what we have to do in Blackpool is that, well, how can we create a different type of economy which actually treats people as people um, and helps them work towards a, you know, a decent future? And that I guess that's the challenge, isn't it? Well, Sarah, I mean, it's certainly really good to leave our listeners with those thoughts particularly about people as assets, not just trams and trains, which are also assets yeah. and roads and road building, but 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 people and how they feel about their town, which is yeah. pr- pr- profoundly positive. Uh, it does it, it does welcome people and welcome people back very well here. And, and that thought that you also articulated, which you've heard from previous uh, respondents here in this podcast, you know, use what you've got. You know, the tide comes yeah. in twice a day. The beach is still beautiful. The air is still health-giving. There's so much that we still have uh, that can be part of our future so it's been so so helpful hearing from you and and perhaps we can continue this conversation um, off off mic about what we can now do to put some of our residents desires into action and, and ask some of those questions about the statistics that don't add up to the powers that be yeah and and actually getting beyond you know these people are not statistics they're people yeah indeed (laughs) indeed and we owe them you know Great. Well, uh, Sarah, thank you so much for your time and everything you've you've managed to share with us about how we actually need to re-gear, rewire our economy, putting people at the centre and what that could could achieve even after many years of of, of a lack of investment and and um, government policies which maybe haven't helped. Thank you so much. It's been re- a real Thanks joy to have you on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. You've been listening to the Other Side of Blackpool podcast for people who live here all year round. We're a dream of the Poverty Truth Network in Blackpool and the Fylde Coast. Find out more at povertytruthnetwork.org. If you like us, follow us and leave us a review.